Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25. Developing news overnight from the Senate floor as Republicans stage a marathon session that has now delayed a key vote on whether to create a bipartisan commission to investigate the Capitol riot. The question is, when will that vote take place? Plus, the GOP's counterproposal to the White House infrastructure plan. The question is, this morning, is the president willing to shift money from the COVID relief package? And President Biden made a surprise stop at an ice cream shop in Ohio, but he wasn't so sweet when calling out Republicans who were taking credit for legislation that they didn't even vote for. The question is, will it hurt any chances for future compromise? It is way too early for this. Good morning and welcome to Way Too Early, the show that always gets Rocky Road. I'm Alicia Menendez in for Casey Hunt on this Friday, May 28th. We're going to start with the news. Overnight, Senate Republicans stalled a crucial vote on the January 6th commission. Now, the vote isn't expected until potentially later today. We'll have to wait until after the Senate wraps up its marathon debate over the Endless Frontiers Act, a massive bill designed to increase American competitiveness with China. Several Republicans spent hours speaking on the floor early this morning to further hold up the vote surrounding the deadly Capitol attack. 60 votes are needed for the independent January 6th commission to move forward. So far, only three Republicans have expressed their support. Senator Lisa Murkowski, the only Republican backing the January 6th commission bill as is, expressed her disappointment in her colleagues' attempts to block the vote. It's important that that there be a, a, a focus on, on the facts and on the truth. And that may be unsettling, but we need to understand that. We just can't pretend that nothing bad happened or that people just got too excitable. Something bad happened, and it's important to lay that out. I think there's more to be learned. I want to know more. And I'm, I, I want to know and I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But I need to know. Senator Joe Manchin criticized Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and Republican senators who oppose legislation to create a 9-11 style commission that would investigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol. The senator tweeted yesterday, there is no excuse for any Republican to vote against this commission since Democrats have agreed to everything they asked for. Mitch McConnell has made this his political position, thinking it will help him in 2022 elections. They do not believe the truth will set you free, so they continue to live in fear. 
But when asked if he'd be willing to break the filibuster in order to get the commission bill passed, Manchin had this to say. Would you be willing to break the filibuster in order to get this passed? The plan I'm not ready to destroy our government. I'm not ready to destroy our government. No, I think the people will come together. How you have to have faith. There's 10 good people. House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn says if Senate Republicans block the January 6th commission, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi should create a new committee to investigate. I think that this does not happen. Nancy Pelosi, as Speaker of the House, should move forward. Either give empower certain committees uh, to do it, uh, or uh, create a select committee, as she did with the coronavirus, uh, to get to the bottom of it. Family members and colleagues of fallen officer Brian Sicknick were on Capitol Hill yesterday to plead with Republican senators to support a commission to investigate the Capitol riot. Gladys Sicknick, the mother of Officer Sicknick, along with her son's longtime girlfriend and Officer Michael Fanone, met with more than a dozen GOP senators. Gladys Sicknick told reporters she hoped the meetings would sway Republicans. Does it anger you, Mrs. Sicknick, to hear senators who do not support this commission? And what emotions do you feel when you're confronted with that? This is why I'm here today. I, you know, usually I stay in the background and I just couldn't, I couldn't stay quiet anymore. Can you describe what you said in your letter to the GOP lawmakers to meet with them? Did you call it a slap in the face or? Yes, I did. Yes, because they, they put their lives on the line. What are you hoping will be on their minds when they vote on this commission? The country. This was to uphold the Constitution, and right now I don't think they're doing it. But even after those meetings yesterday, many Republicans appear unlikely to change their minds. Senator Ron Johnson says he still opposes the commission, even after meeting with the group. He put out a statement reading in part... Although we respectfully disagreed on the added value of the proposed commission, I did commit to doing everything I could to ensure, ensure all their questions will be answered. And here's what Senator Tim Scott said to reporters. What was your message to the families? Uh, that they were heard, that what they had to say was very important. Did it change your mind about supporting the commission? You know, interestingly enough, the uh, commission was a part of the topic, but what they, what they said they wanted to, to me was more of understanding what happened with or without a commission. Joining us now, White House correspondent for Politico and co-author of The Playbook, Eugene Daniels. He is also an MSNBC contributor. Eugene, good morning to you. Talk to me about the politics that are at play here. Would a commission actually hurt Republicans' chances in 2022? Should that matter? Um, I think they are really, really sure that that is what would happen, right? Because you have all of this um, investigation that would be happening. The report would probably come out during 2022 if that were to happen. And they think that's ex you spend all this time talking about the things that happen, possibly people being subpoenaed, members of Congress, if there was this independent commission, because they would have subpoena power. Um, constantly talking about Donald Trump and his uh, possible incitement of this actual um, insurrection that happened on January 6th. And they are very, very cognizant of that. Should that matter? You talk to most people and they say no. They say that this was some, you know, the people that ransacked the Capitol, that did that riot, they were not concerned with just looking for Democrats or just looking for Republicans, right? They were looking for 
um, and saying many of their names, you know, talking, looking for Mike Pence, walking down the hallway in that video. We saw people uh, kind of creepily talking about seeing, looking for Nancy Pelosi. And so the politics of this, as as per usual on Capitol Hill, the politics is like one kind of nasty part of this. But then the other aspect of this is that the country still may not know. There are a lot of things that we may not ever know. Because if there's no subpoena power, there are a lot of players who may not have to come up and, and talk to, to the American people about what happened. Right. And I asked that obviously rhetorical question, should it matter to tee us up for this, which is in staking out their position with 2022 as their motivating factor, is there the possibility for Republicans that this blows back on them? I think so. I mean, there's there's always a possibility, but I think this party has kind of gone with whatever Donald Trump says, honestly. Like Donald Trump said, um, I think in times of flat circle, but it was last week, came out against the the commission and said to them, you know, that's not what we want. And you saw McCarthy and um uh, in the in the House and Mitch McConnell in the Senate basically say, you know, no dice, guys, we're not gonna do this. We don't we should we shouldn't do this. And then all of the, the you saw the senators kind of have cover to say that they didn't want to. And so they have made this political calculation that you can't do this, that they want to move on. It's all a part of the same thing of, you know, kind of ousting Liz Cheney because the Republican Party doesn't want to talk about January 6th. They want to move on. And the, the more that you talk about it, the more questions that we ask to, of them of what did you do that day? What happened? What did, was it Donald Trump's fault? Not, that's not the conversation they want to be having into 2022 at all. Politico's Eugene Daniels, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Still ahead, what pro golfer Tiger Woods is saying about his recovery process after a serious leg injury he suffered in a car crash earlier this year. Plus, a new warning from Microsoft that Russian hackers have launched a campaign targeting U.S. and foreign government agencies. Those stories and a check on weather when we come right back. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25. 
This has become personal between these two. Cleared out. LeBron wants Crowder. Shot clock to seven. Spins off of him. LeBron hangs. The reverse is good. And look at the Laker bench. Welcome back. Time now for sports and the NBA playoffs. The Lakers bench feeding off each other's energy back home at the Staples Center last night on the way to a 109-95 win game. Three that gives them a one-game advantage in their first-round series against the Phoenix Suns. In Portland, the Denver Nuggets go up two games to one after defeating the Trailblazers 120-115. to And the Heat are now on the brink of elimination as the Milwaukee Bucks streak to a third straight postseason victory in last night's 113-84 win on the road in Miami. The New York Knicks, Philadelphia 76ers, and Utah Jazz banned a total of five fans from their respective arenas for issuing apologies yesterday for incidents during Wednesday's playoff games. The Knicks said they banned a fan from Madison Square Garden for spitting on Atlanta Hawks guard Trey Young. The 76ers revoked season tickets from a fan who dumped popcorn on the Wizards' Russell Westbrook. And the Jazz said three fans have been banned after a verbal altercation during the team's game against Memphis. Utah did not reveal the specifics of the incident. According to the Salt Lake Tribune, the trio of fans were heckling the family of Grizzly star John Morant. The NBA says rules surrounding fan behavior will be vigorously enforced going forward. Turning now to Major League Baseball and a display on the base paths in Pittsburgh that shows why the Cubs' Javier Baez earned the nickname El Mago, or the Magician. Baez hits it on the ground to third, Gonzalez. So good. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow, you got to be kidding me. You've got to be they kidding me. They stole a run. You have got to be kidding me. Javi Baez. Keep going. Go, go. You're invisible. El Mago indeed. Baez's tricky running forces defensive miscues and steals a run and an extra base for Chicago in the third inning. The Cubs beat the Pirates 5-3. Angels two-way star Shohei Otani is learning the limitations of Bay Area traffic. The L.A. right-hander was scratched from his scheduled start against the Athletics yesterday a traffic jam kept him from making it to the Oakland ballpark in time for his pregame pitching routine, and he was instead shifted to designated hitter. According to the AP, because of an accident on the Bay Bridge that snarled traffic for the, one of the team's buses and what had been a 45-minute trip became increasingly longer than planned. Otani returned to his hotel, wound up on a Bay Area rapid transit, falling even further behind schedule. As for the game, the Angels fell to the A's 5-0. Otani is expected to start on the mound for L.A. tonight. PGA Field returned the Lynx at Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas, for the first round of the Charles Schwab Challenge yesterday. Golfers Jordan Spieth and Sergio Garcia each shooting a 7-under-63 to end the day with a share of the lead. Meanwhile, 50-year-old Phil Mickelson, who made history last week as the oldest winner of the PGA Championship, is 10 strokes off the lead after shooting a three over 73. Of his performance, Mickelson said, quote, yeah, I didn't play well, but I won the PGA. So, meanwhile, golfer Tiger Woods gave an update in an interview with Golf Digest on his rehab after sustaining serious leg injuries and a single car crash near Los Angeles back in February. 
Woods told the magazine, quote, this has been an entirely different animal, adding, I understand more of the rehab processes because of my past injuries, but this was more painful than anything I've ever experienced. Wood had no comment on a potential return to play, saying he is focused on physical therapy and working toward his top goal of walking on his own. Time now for the weather. Let's go to meteorologist Bill Karens for the forecast. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. Great to see you again. I wish I had some better news for so many people, but it is what it is. So let's at least be prepared for it. First thing, worst weather in the country this morning has been sweeping down through Arkansas and northeast Texas and into uh, areas of northern Louisiana. These thunderstorms have had some wind damage with them, but they're weakening. So we're just about them. Then be prepared in Greenville, Vicksburg, and also Alexandria. Those storms are rolling your way. So as far as the forecast goes today, Rain will move in through the Ohio Valley into the northeast this evening. We will have some travel delays, definitely D.C. to Baltimore to Philadelphia to New York later on today because of that rain. And I bet you some airport delays, too. Then as we head into the holiday weekend forecast, that storm system lingers right along the mid-Atlantic coast. Cool, damp, ugly beach day all the way from southern New England down through the Virginia area, maybe even the Outer Banks. And then on Sunday, some of that wet, damp weather lingers around New York to Hartford to Boston. It does warm up nicely in the Ohio Valley and the Great Lakes. Some strong storms are possible, Kansas and areas of North Texas. Finally, by Monday... We give you one nice sunny day in areas from the Carolinas up through the mid-Atlantic, and some of those showers will be exiting areas like Boston. But Alicia, I mean, we're talking temperatures in the 50s and 60s on Memorial Day weekend in some of these beach areas. You know, it's bad for the people that booked their trips, but it's horrific for all the businesses that are, you know, planning on the revenue. Especially because we all want to be outside so badly. Bill Karens, thank you so much. Still ahead, amid ongoing questions about the origins of coronavirus, America's top U.S. general is criticizing China's government over what he calls a cover-up. We'll get to the very latest on that next. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Now to a report of a massive cyber breach. Microsoft says that the Russian-backed group behind the SolarWinds hack launched a new campaign targeting government agencies, think tanks, and non-governmental organizations. In a blog post yesterday, Microsoft Vice President Tom Burt writes, the effort targeted about 3,000 email accounts and more than 150 different organizations. He adds that while organizations in the U.S. received the largest share of attacks, targeted victims span at least 24 countries. Microsoft shared this image, showing an email that appears to be from USAID, the government agency that administers foreign aid. The tech giant explained that the email was implanted with code that would give the hackers unlimited access to the computer systems of the recipients, from stealing data to infecting other computers on a network. Discovery of the breach comes on the heels of a series of increasingly sophisticated cyber attacks emanating from Russia, and only three weeks before President Biden scheduled to meet Russian President Vladimir Putin in Geneva. 
Last month, Biden announced several new sanctions on Russia and the expulsion of diplomats for the SolarWinds hack that breached at least seven government agencies and hundreds of large American companies. Well, there are horrifying new details about the shooting at a California rail yard. More than half a dozen people were killed. It now appears they were likely targeted. The Santa Clara County Sheriff says the gunman fired off a total of 39 shots, killing nine but injuring no one else. She says it means he was methodically wanted to kill people. Sheriff's officials also described the 57-year-old as highly disgruntled employee for many years. The Wall Street Journal reports U.S. Customs had previously detained the shooter with, quote, books about terrorism and fear and manifestos, as well as a black memo book filled with lots of notes about how he hates his workplace. His ex-wife also said how he talked about wanting to kill people at work more than a decade ago. And a previous partner said he was volatile and violent, suffering from major mood swings. Police are still investigating how he was able to obtain a duffel bag filled with semi-automatic handguns and high-capacity magazines. There is new reporting on what led President Biden to re-examine the origins of the coronavirus. Senior administration officials tell The New York Times the president ordered a new investigation and a report within 90 days after Intel officials told the White House they had unexamined intelligence that required more analysis. The officials declined to describe the evidence. The president said yesterday he would make the results of the review public, adding, quote, unless there's something I'm unaware of. Officials are trying to get to the bottom of whether the virus occurred in nature or if it leaked from a Wuhan lab. Earlier this week, Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley called China's China's lack of transparency, quote, disturbing. General Milley said of the origin was the leak. The next question is whether it was intentional. If it was an accident, the general says China must explain why it was covered up. Well, still ahead, Senate Democrats are voicing opposition to Republicans' latest infrastructure counteroffer. We'll talk about what that means for any hope of a bipartisan deal. But before we go to break, we want to know, why are you awake? Email your reasons to way too early at msnbc.com. Tweet me at Alicia Menendez using the hashtag way too early. We're going to read all of our favorite answers a little later in the show. against the establishment of a commission on the greatest assault since the Civil War on the, on the Capitol. But at any rate, hey guys, I can't for ice cream. Welcome back to Way Too Early. It's just before 5.30 on the East Coast, 2.30 out West. I'm Alicia Menendez, and that was President Biden during a surprise stop for ice cream in Cleveland, Ohio, yesterday. Meanwhile, a delegation of Senate Republicans led by Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia is attempting to rescue the stalled infrastructure negotiations by unveiling a new offer to the White House. The new plan gets closer to, but is still far less than, the amount the Biden administration is looking for, adding up to about $928 billion. GOP counteroffered would reallocate roughly $700 billion from the COVID relief package to traditional infrastructure. 
The proposal would give more than $500 billion for roads, $98 billion for public transit, $46 billion for passenger rail, and more than $70 billion for water infrastructure. In a statement, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki insists the administration is not interested in moving money from coronavirus relief, writing, quote, We are worried that major cuts in COVID relief funds could imperil pending aid to small businesses, restaurants and rural hospitals using this money to get back on their feet after the crush of the pandemic. Senator Capito told reporters yesterday President Biden called her to set up another meeting. He said that he appreciated the offer and that um, he wanted our staffs to get together to look at more detail and that uh, he wanted to meet with us or me again. He didn't really uh, give me an opinion on what, what, we, what we sent over there except to thank me and let's keep moving. So it was very positive in terms of still wanting to work together. President Biden may be pushing bipartisanship in Washington, but that did not stop him from taking a shot at Republicans while he was on the road. During an event in Cleveland yesterday, the president held up a list of Republican lawmakers who touted provisions in the COVID relief package, despite the bill passing without any GOP support. Even my Republican friends in Congress, not a single one of them voted for the rescue plan. I'm not going to embarrass any one of them, but I have here a list. <laughs> of how back in their districts they're bragging about the rescue plan. They touted the, re the restaurant revitalization fund. They touted the fact that we're in a situation where they're dealing with touted grants to community health care centers. Touted. I mean, some people have no shame. The White House is expected to announce its proposed $6 trillion budget plan today. It seeks to reshape the country's economy and social programs by stacking a long list of policy initiatives. President Biden is calling for a $2.3 trillion infrastructure proposal, a $1.8 trillion education and families plan, as well as $1.5 trillion in discretionary spending. Some of the proposed budget would be spread out over the next five years. The numbers are expected to fluctuate as the president seeks to negotiate with Republicans. It will be the president's first formal budget proposal and gives a glimpse into his vision of an expanded government that seeks to broaden services for all Americans, particularly those with low income. Joining us now, senior White House reporter for NBC News Digital, Shannon Pettypiece. Shannon, good morning to you. Let's start with the infrastructure bill. Is this counterproposal dead on arrival? Uh, no, I don't think so at all. I mean, it seems like both sides are optimistic and they're going to keep talking. You know, the number certainly looks a lot more appealing to the White House. Um, but I would say the, the number hasn't really been the issue because there's thinking among Democrats that whatever amount, whatever is included in a infrastructure bill with Republicans whatever's left over, they can still do through reconciliation. They can still do on their own. So if they do an 800 billion deal with Republicans on roads and bridges and water and rail, they can still go mm. do a separate reconciliation bill with just Democrats, if they can get enough Democratic support with elder care and electric charging stations and all the other things they want. Of course, the big stick up, and this has been probably one of the biggest stick ups all along, is still how do you pay for it? You heard Jen Psaki pushing back against this idea of using COVID relief funding. Um, you know, that's where we're going to see a lot of the back and forth over the next week or two, trying to figure out how to pay for it. That might adjust the price tag some. Uh, you know, that's where people have really 
laid down their red lines, like Republicans saying we're not going back into the 2017 tax cut, Biden saying we're not going to increase taxes at all for people making under 400000 There's a few other areas they might be able to go at, like increased IRS enforcement. Maybe there's some COVID relief money. But, you know, that's what this negotiation deal process is going to be about. It's going to, and, and that's where they're going to get into the sort of real little nitty gritty stuff about where they can squeeze some money out of the federal government or the, the U.S. economy to help pay for all this stuff. Shannon, let me ask you quickly, because there has been this debate back and forth about what constitutes infrastructure. Republicans, of course, saying that only traditional infrastructure bridges, bridges, roads, tunnels qualify as well. Democrats have argued that you need to actually have a care economy, child care, broadband. Those things should qualify as infrastructure. If they do, in fact, split the baby, as you suggest, is a possibility. Do Democrats feel that their coalition can hold and pass the piece of what, you know, Republicans would argue is non-traditional infrastructure through reconciliation? So no one really knows the answer to that yet. The big question is if they can get all the Democrats united. We hear about over and over again about Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema is another one. There's a few other sort of, you know, Republic, uh, I'm sorry, Democrats who have indicated they're a little, they're, they have concerns about all of this spending. Um, so that's going to be the question and a question. And if they do something separate, it's going to include only what can pass the so-called mansion test, as someone described it to me. Now, having gone through this process with Republicans of trying to reach a deal, showing goodwill, bipartisanship, that is also to help get those moderate Democrats on board. So if Democrats want to do something alone through reconciliation, you know, the Joe Manchins of the Senate can say, well, look, we tried, we couldn't figure something out. You know, people aren't desperate near this money. So let's pass something. That I think is also a question though, um, that is going to be determined in the next two weeks or so. NBC Shannon Pettypiece, thank you for getting up early with us. Still ahead, the totally different threat that is swarming the U.S. Capitol way too early is back in a moment. Well, it is time now for something totally different. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences has announced some changes to next year's Oscar awards. The Academy has narrowed the eligibility window to 10 months with films required to be released between March through December of 2021 to qualify. The usual eligibility period is one year. The Academy also announced a rule change allowing films that were released on demand due to the pandemic to be eligible this year. The 2022 nominees will be announced February 8th, and the Oscars will return to the Dolby Theater in Hollywood on March 27th, 2022, a month later than its originally scheduled date. American Mensa, a group for people who have scored in the top 2% of the general population on a standardized intelligence test, has announced its newest remarkable member. Two-year-old Cash Quest from California is now the group's youngest member, having scored 146 on an IQ test, significantly higher than the average American's IQ of 98. Quest can read at a kindergarten level, is able to speak English and Spanish, is also proficient in American Sign Language, knowing over 50 signs. She can count to 100, name every U.S. state on the map by shape and location, and pick out elements of the periodic table. While Cash is clearly gifted, her parents say she's still a toddler who loves Paw Patrol 
And yes, can throw tantrums saying, quote, we're kind of going at her pace. So we want to just make sure that she is youthful for as long as she can be. So cute. The once every 17 year swarm of cicadas is emerging from the ground across the country, including at the U.S. Capitol. One of the bugs made an appearance during a live shot with CNN reporter Manu Raju. So am I going to be in the break? Am I in the same block out of this or can I take a break? Okay. Speaker Paul Ryan's warning for the Republican Party way too early is coming right back. Former House Speaker Paul Ryan made a return to the political arena last night. He warned Republicans they won't be able to hold on to power if they continue to be a party of one. It was horrifying to see a presidency come to such a dishonorable and disgraceful end. So, once again, we conservatives find ourselves at a crossroads. And here's the reality that we have to face. If the conservative cause depends on the populist appeal of one person... Ryan offered several critiques of Donald Trump in his speech at the Reagan Library, but refused to call him out by name. He also didn't call out the attack on the Capitol, nor the repeated lies by Trump about the election. He also warned the party not to get caught up in every little cultural battle. Ryan is currently a board member for the parent company of Fox News. GOP lawmakers aren't the only ones ready to close the books on the January 6th insurrection. A new Quinnipiac poll shows 74 percent of Republicans say too much is being made of the attack and it's time to move on. Well, 84 percent of Democrats and 54 percent of independents say the events of that day should never be forgotten. Joining us now, longtime Capitol Hill aide who served in the offices of the last two Republican House speakers and current partner at strategic communications firm Seven Letter, Brendan Buck. Brendan, how do you think Paul Ryan's speech is going to be received on the Hill? Uh, <clears throat> probably mixed. Uh, you know, look, there's a, there's a lot of Republicans who I think um, appreciate what uh, the former speaker is saying. Um, the Adam, Kins- Adam Kinzingers and Liz Cheney's of the world. Um, but I, look, reality is that this is a, a Trump party in the House and uh, the Trump wing is, is still ascendant and strong there. Um, I think what Paul Ryan was trying to say is that, um, look, there, there is some populism, uh, some good from populism that we can uh, work with, uh, but we can't be so obsessed with cultural battles uh, that we lose sight of what our principles are and, and, and what our policies uh, you know, are to actually help real people's lives. Uh, so I think he's he's concerned about uh, the direction we're heading and that we've become a bit unmoored from from any real uh, ideology or, or or principles. Can you do all of that, though, without calling out the president, the former president's lies around the election? Can you do that without really grappling with what happened on January 6th? Well, that wasn't the the purpose of, of this speech, he's actually spoken out quite a bit leading up to January 6th about the lies, um, put out a statement on January 3rd, telling people to stop challenging the results and to, and to certify the results. So he's been quite clear about that. Um, and I find that that, that criticism a, a little odd. Uh, the speech was, was quite clear eyed about the challenges that, that we have from, from Donald Trump and um, 
you know, the, the direction that we're, we're heading. Um, I think what he was trying to do is also at the same time offer uh, a place for Republicans to go. Um, I don't, this wasn't, I think he is well aware that the president, former president, has such a strong grip on the party that um, simply attacking anybody who supports them is a quick way to get them not to listen. And I think what he wants is for Republicans to take stop, take stock of, of where we are and think if this is a sustainable direction for a governing majority. Um, after going down this road for five years, we find ourselves completely powerless in Washington. Um, and I think there needs to be at least a, a reassessment of whether this populist appeal uh, Trump-style grievance-fueled culture war politics is a long-term winner. Brendan, to that last question, this seems to be one of the core debates that is happening right now among Republicans, former Republicans, which is this question of whether this reckoning is going to happen inside of the party or whether conservatives who don't align themselves with the Donald Trump wing of the party need to break out on their own. What do you think about that? Well, I, you know, I, I I don't really think there's actually that much of, of a splintering. Um, the challenge that we have is we don't learn lessons very well. The last election, we got completely swept out of power, and most Republicans took the results as a good night because the House was a little closer than we thought, and we didn't necessarily lose the Senate until uh, a few weeks later in, in Georgia. Um, look, inside Republican politics, inside the, the conference, there's very little incentive to break with him. Um, most members of Congress live in districts where Donald Trump is extremely popular. And they're really the, the challenge that I see is that there is no overarching leadership that is trying to direct members in, in any particular direction. They're all just acting on their own personal incentives locally. Uh, it used to be that the party would, would, would look out a little more broadly for uh, the direction we're heading. But now it's really just what's good for what's good in red states, what's good in deep red districts. Um, and that leaves us where we are. No one pushing in the other direction. Brendan Buck, thank you for your time. Earlier in the show, we asked, why are you awake? One viewer writes, I'm up way too early this morning because today is my 60th birthday and I am preparing to move into a condo. Happy birthday to you. John says we're leaving this morning to see our daughter, her husband and our grandson, who we have not seen in over a year. We are very excited. Hopefully lots of those reunions this weekend. And Aaron emails when baby doesn't sleep. No one sleeps. I feel you on that, Aaron. Up next, a look at the Axios One Big Thing and coming up on Morning Joe, where things stand in the Senate after Republicans drew yesterday's session on the floor into the early hours of the morning and delayed a key vote on the creation of a commission to investigate the Capitol attack. Plus, Democratic Congressman Sharice Davids will be our guest. Morning Joe is just moments away. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 